0: you so much, Alice, for that. Let's pray. Father God, we give thanks to you for your word. And we ask now that you would fill us with your spirit. Help us to hear your word. Help us to respond to you. And bless us now as we come before you. In the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. When Liz and I were training to do this particular job that we're doing now in Bristol many years ago, the highlight of the week for us, in so many ways, was a Wednesday. And the reason why Wednesday was such a highlight was because it was the spiritual day. It was, in many ways, our Sunday. On a Wednesday, there were no lectures. It was a time to come together and have some times of silence. It was a time to come together and do some learning in small groups. And though there was probably a game of football on the afternoon, it was also the time when we, as a community, came together for our weekly communion service. A time to worship the Lord, a time to break bread, and a time to learn. And more often than not, on a Wednesday, a guest speaker would come in. And we had people from all all over come and travel to this little college that was a converted swimming pool in Bristol. But I never quite understood why. People, when they came, felt a little nervous. In fact, one of the tutors, one Wednesday after chapel, confessed that before he preached there, it was the most nervous he ever felt. Then... I got ordained and I realized what people were so nervous about. And what people were nervous about was there is no one who's a greater expert than somebody who was trained to do the job that this particular person has come to do. And when you put maybe a hundred people in a room, it can feel a little bit like you've not so much come to preach, but to come in front of the hanging jury who were going to tell you whether you were good or not. Every word of what they would say would be pulled apart. Everything would be discussed. And almost in a kind of Roman emperor kind of way, people would get the thumb up or the thumb down, depending on what they said. I always remember one particular lady. I can't remember her name, but she came along as she spoke one Wednesday evening. And she gave a sermon, I think, on the reading that we've just heard today. And afterwards, while we were talking, one of my friends was sat at the table and it was all right, but it was a bit Sunday school. And I don't know what happened to me, but something clicked. And I went from this very tranquil, inoffensive bloke going, you are, You can't say that, because it really got to me that somebody would think that this was a bit Sunday school. For starters, I said, it doesn't matter if it's a bit Sunday school. Doesn't the Bible say you have to accept the sin kingdom of God like a child? What's wrong with it? And also, there is so much you can learn. And I confess that's probably an attitude that has followed me for the rest of my life to this point. This feeling that there are certain things, certain passages which perhaps are below us. That are great for kids, great to teach. Great to pass on and give instruction to children too, but not so great for us. The guy who actually said it said, actually, you're absolutely right, by the way, and he really acknowledged that what this woman had done was a really wonderful reading. But I can also kind of see his point as well. For those of us who have been in church for a number of years, there are certain readings that do feel a little bit Sunday school. I can fully imagine our Hannah Bunting I don't know how many times telling this story to a group of kids. Possibly acting it out. Getting one kid to be the kid who was lowered through the roof and all the rest of it. And why not? It is a story that is made for acting out. It is a story that is made for teaching children. It's a story which can encourage us all. But there's also so much else going on with it. It is an incredibly deep reading when we look at it that much more closely, and especially given where it fits in the Gospel of Luke. What I find particularly fascinating as we approach this story isn't so much the miracle, but where the miracle took place in a house. It suggested that this is actually the house of Simon Peter. This was his home. And it's also suggested that given this was a house with tiles on it, Simon Peter had a little bit of bunts on him. He was doing well in life. But what's really fascinating is that Jesus is teaching in this house. Now skip back a page in your Bible... And for us who have been looking at Luke a few weeks, and Jesus gave his first sermon in a synagogue. Jesus gave a sermon on a synagogue, and we looked at it on two separate Sundays. It started off very well, and it finished with him being basically chased out of town. Now, Jesus isn't in a synagogue. Jesus is in a house. Jesus is on the edge. He's gone from the highlight of society, the institutions, and now he is in this almost place where normal people are. There's something almost illegal about feeling what is happening, like an illicit meeting of minds, like a movement that is starting and something that is stirring. The big boys, the big guys, The chief priests, the Pharisees, they can't stand Jesus. So he's forced into the shadows and in this home where there are so many people who want to hear him talk. So many people who are desperate to hear him teach. So many people who want to hear what Jesus says. And this just demonstrates so much power that there is with the words of Jesus at this time that he is operating away from the institution. And he is starting a movement. Throughout human history, some of the greatest movements that have ever been have started not in parliaments and not in town halls, but in people's living rooms. The abolitionist movement in the UK began in living rooms in Clapham. The civil rights movement in the US began In a home in the deep south. And Jesus here is beginning a movement of people who are like minded, people who are seeking the kingdom of God, not in a synagogue, but in a house, and probably in the house of a friend, a house of a follower, a house of a disciple, a house of a person who perhaps is seen as below him. He is starting a movement there there's an edge to it. There's an edge to what is going on. And for us, there is a real challenge. And maybe the challenge is, have we lost that edge? Have we become so much of an institution that we have lost that edginess, that need to be on the fringes of society? Or are we taken up with the rest of society? Because Jesus started a movement and his movement would carry on being just that, meeting in homes, meeting in the shadows, meeting in the dark places, meeting in the places where it was difficult to be. And the reason why it was difficult to be was because the message that Jesus was preaching was so radical, the authorities didn't know what to do with it. The message that Jesus was given about hope, about love, about the kingdom of God was so great, so strong, that people can control it. Have we lost sight of that radical message that can fill a room full of people who are seeking? Have we lost sight of being at the edge? Are we an institution? It's fascinating what people see in us sometimes, And I remember one of my friends once talking about getting married and the church that his now wife went to in the US. And he was mortified when he went to see this church. He said, you know, I went in this church and there was people playing guitars. There were people with their hands in the air. There were people getting overexcited. It wasn't right, Kai, he said to me. It wasn't right. You're not like that, are you? And of course, his perception was that the church that he was comfortable with wasn't dangerous at all it was full of nice old-fashioned people with nice old-fashioned views which you could just discard but Jesus was doing something far greater far more dangerous and far more radical have we lost that edge have we got that edge and if we've lost it what are we doing to get it back What are we doing to engage once again with the fringes of society? And don't get me wrong, I'm not telling us now to start something that speaks against the government or that speaks against the communities that we live in. What I'm saying is, preach faithfully, tell faithfully the story of Jesus. Because when we tell faithfully the story of Jesus, that is radical And where we speak it is so important. Not many people are going to come to faith in a church. More people will come to faith outside of the church and then will come to church when they've come to faith. Where people who need to hear the message are right now aren't in this building. The place where people need to hear this message are on the beach. They're on the prom. They're in the pub. They're in the students' union. They are all around us. They're in the workplace. They're in the gym. They're in the leisure center. They are where people come together. And when they come together, they are asking the questions. They are asking about what life is all about. They're asking what everything means. And if Jesus was walking the earth right now, that is the place where he would be. Don't get me wrong, we need to value what we do here. We need to value our church. We need to come to church to be filled with God's spirit, coming together to be strengthened by what the Lord is doing, but strengthened to go out to those places. If we really want to see the kingdom of God grow, we need to go to the edges, and we need to go to the edges, because that is exactly what Jesus did Jesus spoke in this house and people piled to see him piled to see him in this home and that is where this story takes it to a next level because this is a story of healing as we see and we know but it's also a story about friendship what I think is so powerful about this story and perhaps it's become more powerful as I've got older isn't so much the dude who has got healed but the mates that carried him to be healed. The mates who said, you need help, you are ill. The mates who were willing to dig through a ceiling and a roof to get him to the place of Jesus. What they were willing to do for this guy. And it's a really funny thing when you think about it, because this guy was clearly in need of healing. And often we say, when somebody's in need of healing, come forward and we'll pray for you. But when you're really sick, when you're really ill, you can really struggle to get up and go forward. You can really struggle to say, oh, yes, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to respond to that cry and that call to come forward for healing. I can only think of a couple of times, less than a handful of times in my life, where I felt really, really ill. And when I felt that way, you could have done anything to me. There was no way I was going to get up and go to church and go forward for praying ministry to be healed. Sometimes we need to be carried, sometimes we need to do the carrying. Sometimes we need the healing and sometimes we need to be the friend who is willing to carry. And this, I think, illustrates so powerfully the awesomeness of Jesus because Jesus did everything with friends in mind. Jesus had his disciples and sometimes he carried them and then they could carry him And so it is for us as well. That sometimes we need to be willing to carry people who are in need of being carried. And we need to be willing to be carried as well. And sometimes as well, that can be a harsh reality to face. Because if we're honest, we want to be the guys who are doing the carrying, not the guys who are coming forward for being healing. Because the guys who are doing the carrying perhaps are seen as the bit of heroes. We don't want to be the person who is in need. We don't need, want to be the person who feels pity. We don't want to be the person who is struggling so much that it makes us vulnerable, the person who looks weak. But when you're surrounded by true friends, by family even, you don't care about that. You just love it that those people are willing to carry you. And I'm going to say now, that's the church I want to belong to. The church I want to belong to is where I feel safe to be sick. The church I want to belong to is the church that I know if I'm ill, if I'm struggling, if I'm down, people will pick me up and carry me. When I can't do anything, people will be there to help and support me. When I am hurt, people will be there to be with me, to do what they can for me. When I'm old and I'm really struggling, people will still watch out for me. This story just sets that example so beautifully of what these friends were willing to do. And it was a horrible thing that they had to do. We can picture it so nicely, really, of all they did was take a guy up to a roof and then lift up a few slates, but it wasn't. It was muddy, it was horrible, it was dirty. There was a layer of mud upon mud to get through the roof. They themselves got dirty, and the only way, the only inspiration they could do it was because they loved their friends so much that they were willing to get that dirty. They were willing to put in that much effort. They were willing to do that much. When you're a friend... You are willing to do those things for your friend. And we've got a friend. His name is Jesus. One of the most beautiful things that Jesus said to his disciples later on in his ministry is, now I call you friend. Jesus calls us friend. And Jesus is willing to do these things for us. And that's why his going to the cross meant so much. Because he was carrying us. That's why his resurrection was so great. Because he was carrying us. And he continues to carry us. He went through the mud, through the dirt, through death itself for us. And the calling for us is to be friends who are willing to do that for each other. To be willing to help each other in such a way, in willing to be there for each other and to acknowledge the amazing, awesome power that Jesus has, acknowledge what he can do. The very reason why Jesus perhaps was preaching and teaching in a house was because he offended the authorities and he didn't really care because as this story came to its conclusion, he would continue to offend them he knew exactly what he was doing when he saw the man lying there and he said your sins are forgiven he knew that they would call him out on it and say you can't do that only god can do that jesus said yeah i know i am god deal with that jesus knew exactly what he was doing and it began what we call in the Gospel of Luke, one of the six controversies that Jesus did that would wind up the authorities, proving that he really was the Messiah, proving that he really was the Son of God, that he had the authority to forgive sins and to heal people. When sin first entered into the world, the original sin came in, death. Jesus here was reversing All the things to do with death and illness and demonstrating he has power over all of these things. He has authority over all of these things. Here's the good news. He has the authority over all of these things today. Jesus is the same today as he was in this reading Jesus is the same today as he was when he said to that man, your sins are forgiven, get up your mat and walk. Jesus is the same today and that Jesus who calls us friend, that Jesus who lived on the edge, that Jesus who was radical in his own way, that Jesus who went to the edges, that Jesus who spoke to the people who were seen as below, that Jesus is with us now. That Jesus is here now. That Jesus is here tonight. And in this place which can feel like our home, a place where our family can come together, a place very similar to that place where that healing happened, tonight he is saying, come. If you are sick, if you are ill and you are in need of healing, come. If you know somebody who is sick in need of healing, bring them. Physically bring them if you want to, but emotionally bring them as well. He says, come, because his love is so great. A little later on, we're going to be celebrating communion together. And communion is the ultimate sign, the ultimate symbol of what Jesus means to us. The new covenant that he made for us. It can be a focal point for all that Jesus means. And as you come forward, don't be scared to bring with you what you are carrying. The things perhaps that you don't want to share with other people. And ask the Lord for his forgiveness. Ask the Lord for his healing. Later on, we'll have our prayer ministry team in the side chapel. And again, whatever's going on, Don't be scared to ask for healing. Don't be scared to come forward. Don't be scared to come to the radical Lord who is willing to do so much. Don't be scared to come forward. Jesus has the authority. Jesus is able to do all things. Jesus is the God of the impossible. And as I said, Jesus is with us now. And on this low Sunday, when so many of us can't be bothered, when so many of us might be struggling, when so many of us might be knackered, when so many of us might be going, Ugh, "Do I have to?" When so many of us are thinking about tomorrow and going back to work, school, or lectures in university, when so many of us have so many things in our mind, remember Jesus is our friend, and He is truly with us. So let's pray. Father God, we give thanks that you are a generous God. We give thanks that you are a healing God. We give thanks that you are a good God. We give thanks for the example of faith. And we give thanks that you do it. We give thanks for this amazing story from scripture that we have of healing and give thanks that we are free to hear it over and over again from childhood to now. We give thanks for what it means to us and we pray that we would be radical followers of you. We pray that we would be zealous in our love for you. We pray that we would listen to you. We pray that we would be like those people hanging on to your every word, filling that room, and that your message would be spread so that others would hear of your goodness as well, and we would go to those places where people are. We give thanks, Lord, that you are our friend, and that you call us friend, and you are willing to carry us when we're in need. And we pray that we would be friends to each other. We pray that we would be willing to carry. And when we need it, we would be carried as well. That we'd be willing to be vulnerable before each other with our needs. As we acknowledge, Lord God, that you have the power. That you have the authority. That you can do all things. And we pray this evening for miracles. We pray this evening that you would do amazing things among us and we would have stories to share. We think about this guy who picked up his mat and walked and what a story he had to share. And we pray that we, tonight, would have stories to share as well. So come, Lord. Come to us, we pray, where we need healing, where we need strength, where we need you. Come to us, we ask of you now. In the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen.